morning once again to everyone. And yes, it is not a burden to prepare God's word. You know, uh, you've, got to be re- uh, you've got to be ready in season and out of season, the Bible says. So it's a, actually, it's a privilege to, you know, be tested and be challenged when, uh, you know, something like this happens. And you run home and uh, you come, to, come in the morning and say, sorry, brother, I'm not going to be here for the breakfast uh, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that everything went well uh, when men get together, uh, you know, and of course women, <laughs> when Christians get together. How's that? <laughs> Something happens. Praise God. Matthew in chapter 13 and verse 3, it says, A sower went out to sow. And uh, the name of my message this morning, it's called, Do Not Be Discouraged. Do not be discouraged. Uh, Friends, we are people who are called to love Jesus Christ. God's grace has been at work in our life. The Holy Spirit has brought us to see our sin and the need of a Savior. Friends, we have come to Christ in repentance and we are looking to Him in faith. We see that in Christ we are Forgiven by Him, we have been reconciled to the Father. Through Him, we have been adopted into the family of God. Amen? And with Him, with Him, we have an eternal inheritance kept in heaven for us. Christ has captured our minds and has won our hearts. Amen? And He has realigned our will. We love him and our great desire, you know, in this life is to save him while we are living on earth, the short life that we have over here. And that's what I, what it's called to be a Christian. That's in my Bible. I don't know about yours. That's what it's called to be a Christian. John in chapter 15 and verse 8, it says, Jesus said, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. How is that possible? How can we bear fruit that proves that we are a disciple? How can we sustain a lifetime of service? How can we be a fruit-bearing Christian believer year after year after year? That's the question. That's the question that is before us. Please open your Bible at Matthew and chapter 13. Today I will be speaking on the parable of the sower. Often this parable is approached and taught from the perspective of the soil. There are four kinds of soil. Which one are you? Which one are you? See, it should be called the parable of the soil, right? But it's not. It's not. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 3, it begins with, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed. And I want to look at this story from the perspective of the sower. I want to speak to sowers this morning. Are you a sower of the word of God? To everyone who wants to plant the word of God in the lives of young people, friends, Uh, Family, children, grandchildren, the unchurched, the unreached, the poor, the rich, and any other category that you may add to this list. If you are a sower, my friend, this message is for you. This This story is about what happens when the word of God is sown. Christ is telling us, What to expect when we engage in the ministry of the word. He is telling us that we must not be surprised or discouraged when people respond in different ways to the word of God. This issue of expectations is crucial to sustaining, my friend, a lifetime of service. 
a lifetime of service. Now, pastors and leaders have left the ministry. They just got so discouraged, and the reasons are various. Friends, here are people who have invested thousands of dollars and years of their life in training for a vocation. And they entered the vocation with an expectation that did not correspond to reality. Picture a young pastor committed to the word of God. He is fired up about preaching and about discipling. He has a plan for his ministry. He has a vision for a church that is going to be on fire for God. He has determined to give his life to sowing as much seed as he possibly can. He is called by God to serve as a pastor and he gives himself to this work. Praise God for that. He does this for 10 years. What is the result? Various. Some people have flourished, but in others there has been no change at all. Some people are simply the older versions of what they were before. <laughs> you, you are not. You can't. You don't laugh. You, 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 you are on fire for God. <laughs> yeah. After a while, this gets to the pastor, and the pastor begins to wonder that if his work is really worth it. Let me take this from the you know, world of pastors and bring it closer that the experience of many of you will have with any form of leadership role given to you as a Christian believer. To the sowing of the word of God in other people's life. You step up to lead a home group or you are committing to teaching children, or to leading a group of young people. You have a vision for the group, you know, that you know, this group will flourish, who will be accountable to one another, and you know, they will thrive you know, in, 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 in and through the word of God. They will thrive. But six months and you discover that some are committed more than others. A few are always engaged. One or two seem disconnected. You begin to wonder, what am I doing wrong? You did not expect that, that to happen. Or for some you know, you bring children into the world and their arrival brings a great joy to your life. And rightly so. And you have great expectation because you are a Christian couple. You are determined that you will sow the word of God into their lives. Earlier on, you establish, you know, prayer life and, you know, the reading of the Bible. And as the family grows, you discover that uh, all of your children are equally responsive, right? Wrong. They are not equally responsive. While one child drinks it in, another has very little interest. As parents, you begin to be concerned. My son seems disconnected from the word of God. He does not relate to it. He has no interest in it. What am I doing wrong? These are the real issues of life and ministry my friend, and I want you to see today that they are precisely what our Lord Jesus speaks about in the parable of the sower. 
Here is what will happen when you sow the word. This is encouraging message to everyone who is sowing the word of God into people's life. And the response is various. See, it will have different effect in the lives of different people. But I don't want you to be discouraged. You got to keep sowing the word. Keep doing what God has called us to do. Let the main thing be the main thing. To know Christ and make him known. Amen? Don't forget that. Our calling is not to live a luxurious life over here. Our calling, our first calling is to love God with all of our heart. And as we're going to love him with all of our heart, we will be sowing. First category of people is in Matthew and chapter 13 and verse 19. It says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, there's a key word, understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away. What has been sown in his heart? This is what was sown along the path. See, some people who, you know, hear the word will be unresponsive. And if you are the sower of the word, you know how hard and discouraging this could be. It's absolutely discouraging. You are trying to teach the word of God. You break it down to make it as simply, as simple as, uh, uh, you know, possibly you can. Your son or daughter or a member of your home group, small group, he just doesn't get it. Nothing about the word really interests them. The, uh, he hears it with a yawn. She does not see or know what you are saying. Even some people in the church, you know, when the pastor is preaching, they're falling off to sleep, man. Or they're on their phones. <laughs> right? <laughs> Always in their phone. He frustrates the preacher. And he's saying, what am I doing wrong, man? I must be teaching well. Right? <laughs> when this happens, friend, I want you to know, don't be discouraged because this happened to Jesus too. <laughs> this is the whole point of the parable. Jesus is telling us not to be surprised or become discouraged about the people that we love and about the people that we pray for. And when they hear the word, but really have no interest in it or understanding of it. Friend, you can't be a better teacher than Jesus Christ. No one has taught more simply, more powerfully, more clearly, or in a way that is more compelling. Amen? Look at his masterful teaching in John and chapter 10, where he paints the picture of the shepherd and the sheep. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. John 10 and verse 6 tells us they did not understand what he was talking about. If that is the experience... Of Jesus, my friend, it will certainly be the experience of you, you know, all the Sunday school teachers and of all the parents and all the pastors, all the church planters and any evangelist. No matter how well you have prepared your word or how well you are speaking. But I want to say, do not be discouraged. Keep doing what God has called you to do. Keep sowing the seed. Keep sowing the seed. People need to hear the truth. Paul said that I preach Christ in Christ crucified. Paul said for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul said for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power that comes, you know, through the word of God that made Paul say that. Second category of people is in Matthew and chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. 
It says, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Here is a person who hears the word and he receives it. More than that, this person receives the word with joy. And notice that this person makes an early response. They immediately receive it with joy. But this joyful receiving of the word doesn't last long. Trouble comes and the person who once professed faith so brightly falls away. Let me pause here for a minute, my friends. Falling away, what does that speak to you? There's a lot of place in the Bible it talks about falling away. I want to say, man, you could be the teacher of the word, you could be Mr. Know-it-all, but don't take this word lightly, falling away. There's a lot of Christians who are falling away. <laughs> Falling away wouldn't be in the Bible if you're not the real deal, right? Falling away. The second response is perhaps the most discouraging of all for the sower of the word. Someone made a profession of faith when he was a little boy, but when he reaches high school, things begin to change. You know, you no longer see joyful receiving the word of God in him anymore. He seems to have lost interest. There is nothing you can do now to get him to church. See, one of the great teachers of the word says, receiving the kingdom with joy is not enough. This parable declares, friends, that people can receive the word with joy and still be guilty of the hardness of heart. Friend, the only conversions that count in the kingdom are the ones that is, you know, being uh, led by being a disciple of Jesus. Let me ask you this question, who is discipling you? Who are you accountable to? Rocky ground is dangerous, man. Rocky ground, you know, is the hardening of heart. And I want to say this. I want to pause here for a minute. I want to say this, that there are many people who have hardened their heart when the word of God is preached. There are so many warnings in the Bible of falling away. If you hear my voice today, do not harden your heart. And the writer of Hebrew said this to people where he was watching them falling away. Do not harden your heart, my friend. And you know what? I'm not saying this because all of a sudden Holy Spirit has revealed me to say, no, I have been observing people's life as a shepherd of New Gen City Church. That's my job to do, to see people's life. Amen. I am a pastor of New Gen City Church, my friend. If I'm not doing the job, I better step off. I love you guys. I don't, don't want any of you to fall away. I really love you guys from my heart. I hope you hear my heart. I'm not bringing any condemnation to anyone. As far as, you know, I'm concerned as a teacher of God's word, I want to make sure that I cover all bases and give the truth of the word of God fully. Don't fall away. Don't fall away. Don't harden your heart when you hear his voice. Now, friends... I said that I want to cover all bases, right? Also, Jesus makes it clear that if you are a sower of the seed, you will know the disappointment of professing of faith that seems very bright, but it proves not to be genuine. You must not be surprised or discouraged by this. And that's the aim of my message, for us not to be discouraged. The aim of this message is, I don't want to bring any condemnation. I want to say, hey, sowers, 
Go and sow the seed because people need to hear about Jesus. Life needs to be saved and then brought here to church and life needs to be changed. Now, see, it happened even in the ministry of Jesus about people not being genuine. Jesus did not affirm every profession of faith. When he performed many miracles, friend, in John and chapter 2, verses 23 and 24, you know, it says that many believed in his name. Many believed in his name. And then it says, but Jesus did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people. He himself knew what was in man. So we cannot see the heart like Jesus did. Amen. We cannot finally tell who is genuinely converted and who is not. We can't. See, this teaching of Jesus surely reminds us that as parents and as Christian leaders, we should be very careful before affirming that a person is a Christian before seeing evidence in their life. We should be very careful. Friends, I know and I understand that as Christian parents, we love our children and we always want to speak Post, uh, highly about them and, and positive things about them. And rightly so. I got three boys myself. I know that. Many children are saved at a younger age. I know that. Praise God for that. I came to the Lord at the age of 11. Praise God for that. But I believe that telling a person that, you know, he or she is a Christian, when they do not Love, trust, or save Jesus Christ is one of the most spiritually damaging things a parent or a leader could do. I really believe that. Think with me, man. You tell a Christian from the age of six that you are saved, you are saved, you are saved. <laughs> he's growing up, he thinks he's a lion, but in reality he's not. He's a bear. They need to be evidence, right? Now, friends, in the context of this verse, joyfully receiving the word can be a passing phrase, or it also could be someone receiving Jesus and then giving up on Jesus. Could be both. And some Christians knows the agony of this. Someone who seemed to sow so much promise surprised you by going back. You spoke to them about Jesus Christ few months or for few years and they have received Jesus joyfully. But now they don't want to do nothing with Jesus. You plead with them, you remind them of the joy that once they knew. The profession they once made, but he or she has moved on. Her heart is in another place and she does not hear you. She has no root in her. She is, you know, easily influenced. She has gone out as quickly and as easily as she came in. You know, someone like that, I do many of them. I thought I led them to Christ. I'm sure you do too. I'm pleading with you, don't, and, 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 and I'm pleading with you, and I'm encouraging you, my friend. Don't be disappointed. Keep loving them. Keep praying for them in hope that they will come to Jesus Christ. See, Jesus knows the hearts we don't. They could be going through the experience of a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter. And let's pray that uh, they will know that the father is waiting for them and they will come back home like a prodigal son did. Amen? But keep doing what we are called to do, friends. We need to keep sowing the seed. We can't be disappointed, you know, what people are, how people are responding. We just can't. We can tell them, but we can't keep them. We, got, we can't keep them. 
We just can't. But my job is to warn you. It is to warn every one of you as a pastor, as a teacher. Do not harden your heart, my friend. Let God's love drive you. Let some softness come in there, right? The third category of people that in this parable relates to is in Matthew in chapter 13 and verse 22. As for what was sown among thorns, it says, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. 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 He's the person who hears and he receives the word. The seed gets into the soil, but the thorn begins to grow. We know this because the Lord says in Matthew 13 and 7, the thorns grew up. The thorns was already there. The thorns were not visible. At the time when the seed was sown, my friend, so when the seed began to grow, the thorns overgrow it and choked it. See, Jesus does not say that this person falls away. He doesn't say that. Bishop Trench says, the profession of a spiritual life is retained, but the power of godliness is by decrees eaten out and has departed. Here's what we experience as sowers of the word, he says. The distracted person remains in the church and would say that he or she is a Christian. And I believe that they are Christians. I do believe that they are the real deal. They are Christians, but they are unfruitful. The ground of his life is so crowded that his profession of faith is barren. He does not produce any fruit. He's unfruitful. The power of godliness has eaten out from the inside. It has been crowded out. There are people who receive the word, they profess faith in Jesus Christ, but the root system of the Australian dream, he says American dream, I'm putting it, Australian dream has already filled the soil of their lives. Instead of digging out the thorny uh, root system through the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit, they happily add other unnecessary things to their faith. The baggage that they were carrying, they add more baggage to it. Instead of them saying, Jesus, I want you to take this out from me. Because when we first come to Christ, we come with lots of baggage, right? I did. We all did. So for them, what they mean by faith is looking to Jesus as a means of helping them achieve their own dream, he says. He says, not me. I'm putting the you know, gun on his shoulder. I'm not. I'm not. Seriously, I'm not. You see what he's saying? The ground of their life is so crammed with the root system of another plant that there is no room for the word of God to grow. Is that you, my friend? Is that you? See, the rich young ruler is a perfect example in the ministry of Jesus of this third response. I want everything in this life and I want Jesus as well. I want everything in this life and I want heaven as well. And when he goes away, he is sorrowful. Why? Because the root system of his life is made up of thorns. He doesn't trust that Jesus will be able to pull them out. See, some of us over here, we are like in the reserve army, you know. You know what reserve army does, yeah? They're waiting for the battle to happen. They're playing cards, you know. <laughs> They're playing cards because there's no battle. 
Well, let me remind you, there is a battle. You have an enemy. His name is Satan, Lucifer. Get involved, man. Yes, you're going to take some bullets, but guess what? Greater is the one that lives in us than the one who is in the world. He is the defender of our faith. Come on. <laughs> he is our shield. <laughs> Get involved in faith. Get involved in the battle, man. Take some bullets, man. You guys are hard lads. Amen. Now, friends, please hear my heart. I'm not talking about Christians who have been absolutely blessed by God. I know many Christians who've been blessed by God, and they've got lots of money. Praise God for that. And the peace of God has not departed from their life. Thank God for that. Eh? If the peace of God has departed from your life and you've got lots of money, and that money is a problem, then give it up. But if the peace of God is with you and you're putting Christ first in your life, there's nothing wrong with that, my friend. There is nothing wrong with that. I want to say this so that there is no condemnation to anyone. It's okay to work hard. Right now from this sermon, this evening, I'm going to do a job that I've called to do because I couldn't do yesterday because I had to prepare the message. So don't be condemned. It's okay to work hard. It's okay to have some money in your pocket. If you got too much, give it to me, man. <laughs> no, don't give it to me. Give it to Jesus. <laughs> now, the fourth and the last category of people that this parable relates to is in Matthew and chapter 13 and verse 23. It says, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it understands it. Praise God that this guy understands the word, man. Thank God for that. Don't you want that? When the preacher is preaching, the guy understands it, man. <laughs> Thank God. This guy says he understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold. In another, sixty. In another, thirty. Here are people who hear the word and understand it. They see that it speaks to them and God lays claim to their life. The word of God goes right, goes into their lives, into their lives, and it bears fruit in them. Great word, man. You want to be this guy, eh? Good soil. <laughs> what goes in, you go out. <laughs> See, the, the harvest that the word brings in these people's life is abundant. In one case, a hundredfold, in another 60, and in another 30. See, the word of God will, bring, will be more faithful in some believers than in other believers. That's just a reality. See, the degree of faithfulness will vary among believers according to this scripture. But the differentiating mark of every faithful believer is that the word of God bears fruit in our life. It bears fruit in our life. Amen? Yes. It should. What is the fruit the word bears? The fruit of repentance and of hope and of faith, of love and of service, of perseverance, of obedience and of humility and a long, long, long list of things mentioned in the New Testament. Here is the great encouragement for the Faithful sower, the living seed of God's word will produce an abundant harvest. Are you faithful, my friend? Are you faithful? Give yourself to the ministry of the word and you will see fruit. You will see fruit. You will not see it in equal degree in each you know, life. You will not see it immediately. Friends, remember, the seed grows over time. Just remember that. The seed grows over time. It takes time, you know, for some of the guys to come into mature maturity. So don't think that they're not genuine, some of them. But also understand one thing, is you give yourself into a lifetime of service, that there will be some frustrations, and there will be some setbacks. There will be. But God's word Faithfully sown, you know, into a believer's life will bring lots of harvest. 
lost of harvest. He is a practical wisdom friend for sustaining a faithful and fruitful ministry. Stick with the proper seed. Stick with the proper seed. The seed bearing fruit is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. Luke 80, chapter 8 and verse 11 says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. Stick with the word of God. One of the great responsibilities of any ministry leader is to make sure that God's word is being preached. And that's what we do, do here in New Gen City Church, my friend. We preach Christ's word. We preach from the Bible. And God's word can be challenging at times, my friend. But we love you guys, man. We do. We want to see you guys flourish. We want to see you guys run ahead of you. I really do. Some of the guys I talk to, man, I love them, man. The younger guys, I sit with them. I pour my heart into their lives because I want to see them flourish for Jesus Christ. That's what my heart is. Invest your time in reading God's word and, you know, alongside with your prayer life and you will not go wrong. You will not go wrong. Together praying and reading the word of God and being led by the spirit, I'm telling you, man, you will be filled with God's power. You will be filled with God's joy. And when you're going to be out there, guess what's going to come out? The Bible says that out of the abundance of my heart, the mouth shall speak. What's in me will come out. If money is in me, I'll be always talking about money. If Christ is in me, I'll be talking about Christ. What else we can say? Oh, yeah. If I love drinking alcohol too much, and I'll be talking about Jack Daniel's might. I don't drink Jack Daniels. I hate it. <laughs> when I was young, I tried it. It was hungover, man. <laughs> Great. Now, friends, here is how a church loses a faithful and fruitful ministry. And let me give you how. Tell you how. Sorry. See, some... Well-meaning Christian observe what Jesus teaches over here, that the seed of the word does not produce an abundant harvest, abundant harvest in every life. So they say there are some people in whom the seed is not producing the harvest. So let's consider them and try some other seed. <laughs> in other words, they are not responding to this. So let's give you know, them something else. But here's the problem. Different seed will produce a different harvest. See, different seed might bring people together. It might create a helpful group experience, but it will not bring people under the rule of God. It will not. Only the seed of God, the word of God can do that. Stick with the word. Stick with the word. The goal of Jesus was never to keep the crowd, you know. It was to draw out of the crowd people who would live under the blessing of God's rule. Let's stick with the word. Don't add your five cents, man. <laughs> that harvest can be only raised through the word of God. See, for the word of God to grow, my friend, in people's life, we need to exercise patience. Those mature believers, I want to say this, we need to exercise patience. Most of the time, God's seeds grows over time. Remember, Jesus told the parable of the sower, not the parable of the boma. You know the parable of the boma, right? <laughs> Jesus does not say that a bomber went out to bomb and as he bombed, you know, he changed the whole landscape overnight. He doesn't say that. <laughs> See, God's works, God works by sowing seed, not by, you know, dropping bombs. Praise God for that, yeah? You probably want, you know, God to drop a few bombs, right? <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, he did in the Old Testament. 
Now, friends, watch yourself. I want to say, watch yourself. See, God walks as, you know, God, God, see, God walks as a, a sorry, your, your work. So your work as a sower can affect the soil of your own heart. So I want to say this to you. Guard your heart, man. Guard your heart as a sower of God's word. You're a mature believer. You, you are going out there, out and about, and you are sowing God's seed. And, and, and people are not responding. And the people who have responded, they have left you and they have gone. And you know what? Guess what? Our hearts, you know, guard your hearts because you will get hurt. When you disciple people, when you, you know, spend money on them, call them home, cook for them, and do whatever needs to be done, and then they say, hey, man, you're talking rubbish. You know, you are, the, you are my enemy now, you know. Man, we have all experienced it, right? I'm sure you have, man, if you've been a Christian for 10 odd years. See, as you do this, you know, sowing God's word, Four things will happen. Number one, you will get crushed on by some difficult experience that will happen in the course of your ministry. Four things will happen. And one of these is when that happens, you know, you get crushed on, you got to watch your heart. Do not become uh, a sour whose heart is getting harder. A father who is so concerned about the unresponsiveness of his son and what happens is that he doesn't notice that his own heart is becoming unresponsive to love him can really happen your heart becomes harder and it becomes harder or as you saw as a sower you want to see quick change in a person's life who you led to Christ and it's not happening I want to say watch your heart watch your heart see hardened hearts will only bring frustration and only cause harm than good to your own soul and the souls of others. It will. You'll be frustrated and, and, and a frustrated Christian will do some damage, I tell you. Some sheep's bite. Number two, as you give yourself to ministry, it will become more costly. Circumstances in your life will arise that will make your ministry more difficult. Remember that our joy is not what we have done for Jesus Christ. Our joy is and always should be what Jesus has done for us. Just remember that. Number three, as you give yourself to ministry, your life will become more crowded. I want to say this, it will become more crowded. As God gives you greater responsibility, it will become harder for you to manage your life. When that happens, watch your heart. It is so easy to become like Martha who was concerned about many things. Don't let your life become so crowded, my friend, with what you are doing for Jesus, that there is no longer room for Jesus himself. Life can only find its true joy in Christ, because true life only comes from Christ. Amen? Doing a bit overtime. Sorry, I won't be long. Number four, trust the outcome of your ministry into the hands. Of God. God can change the hardest hearts, my friend. He really can. They, you know, there will be many times when you wonder what has come out from your ministry, from sowing the seed, you know, that in a particular person's life, you have, you know, prayed for them and you have loved them. You have shared God's word in their life. As far as you are concerned, it felt like that, you know, good soil on hard ground. Have you ever been there? Friend, I want to say that we serve a God whose plow can break the biggest rocks. He really can. And His grace can go deep to the seed that is planted among the most stubborn and thorny bushes. It really can. Don't give up on them. When God's plow comes, won't you be so glad, my friend, that you planted? Of course you will. Of course you will be. I came to Jesus at the age of 11. From the age of 11 till 24, let me say this. 
there were pe- Christians and pastors and leaders, they would have written me off. They would have said, this guy is not genuine. But God was preparing something bigger. He really was. You could look your life. Sometimes we don't see our own sins as a child. Sometimes we come to Christ at an older age and you just don't know what a Christian, you know, behaves like when they were young because you were not a Christian then. And then what happens is you think that everyone should be like me, but you came at the age of 45 or so. You've already, some of the experience of life already taught you, you know, how to, you know, behave and how to act. So please, don't judge the young ones. Love them, care for them, put everything in them. If they're not genuine, well, Jesus said, man, the rocky ones will fall. What can we do? We can't do nothing. All we can do is, Embrace them, man, like Jesus did, man. Look what he did to Judas, man. The man who was going to betray him, he knew all this while that he was going to betray him. He knows all things. But he says, you are my friend. I love you. He, he let him took part in his ministry. Judas did some healing. Some of the people in heaven will be through the ministry of Judas. <laughs> Amen. Let's all get up, eh? let's pray Father we just want to give you all the glory, honor and praise it's all about you it's not about any man, any woman any church any sour it's all about you and your kingdom we thank you oh God that you have revealed the truth in our hearts And I believe that those who are here, they have understood your word and they are sowing the seed and they are seeing the harvest that is coming in their life. But I pray, oh God, anyone in this room who have a setback in any way, who is disheartened, their hearts are hardened in any way, Jesus, you are the perfect healer, and we are coming to you. We are bringing them to you, my God. I pray, O God, Father, that by your mercy and by your grace that you will touch them, O God, that their hearts will be healed, O God. Some of them could be in this room, O God, Father, where they come from other churches where they've been hurt, O God. I pray, Jesus, that they will deal with those hurts, O God, Father, because without realizing, if we don't deal with the things in the previous uh, life, uh, previous in the past that what has happened, we could bring it into the church that you are in right now. I pray, Jesus, that give them the power to, Father, deal with them. If there is any unforgiveness, I pray, O God, that by your grace that they will forgive them. Father, we don't want anything stopping us, O God, Father, in advancing the kingdom of God. And, Father, I just want to pray, O God, Father, for the ones, O God, whose heart hardens and and then they don't want the word of God, oh God, Father, to come in their life because the enemy has come and brought lots of blockage. I pray, Jesus, that, Father, they will sit with you and they will have that fear of God come in them, oh God, Father. I thank you, oh God, for the fear of God. There was a time in my life, oh God, Father, as a young believer, I needed that awesome fear of God in my life. And it came at the right time. And some of them right now, oh God, Father, maybe they're needing that fear of God. Remind them, oh God, Father, what the hells of flame is like, oh God. Whatever it takes, oh God, Father, for them to respond to you in a way where lives will be lived under your rule, let it be, oh God. We want, Father, people to flourish, oh God. We don't want anyone to be living under the burden of sin, oh God, Father, under the lifestyle of sin, oh God. We want, oh God, Father, freedom to come in their life, oh God, Father, where they can run hot for you, oh God. And Father, I pray for the ones, oh God, that have, Father, allowed thorny bush to grow alongside with the word that has been planted in their life and which is, oh God, Father, come in our life uh, in a way, in a cunning way, in a shifty way that the enemy has deceived us. I pray that you will open our eyes and our mind and our hearts to see that this life is only temporary, oh God, and we will be living with eternity in mind, oh God, Father. 
We know, O oh God, Father, that heaven will be the place to be, O oh God, and it will be for eternity. And life here is too short, O oh God. And I just want to pray for, Father, the good soil, O oh God, Father, that those who are here who are doing the work of an evangelist, uh, sowing uh, the good seed into people's life, O oh God, I pray that you will, Father, increase, O oh God, Father, the grace that they need, O oh God, Father, that they may, Father, keep doing what they are called to do. They will not be disheartened in any way, O oh God. We thank you, O oh God, Father, for your awesome love and your kindness in our lives, O oh God. I pray for parents over here right now, O oh God, Father, that they will not be frustrated in any way, O oh God, but they will know and know that when you call, you call the family. The Bible says that, O oh God. As Father, like Joshua said, for me, uh, to, uh, as for me and my household, we shall save the Lord. My Father, we as parents, we will be that living example to our children, O oh God, Father, how to save Jesus, O oh God. And we leave the rest to you, O oh God. Let your grace, O oh God, Father, come in their life as it has come in ours, O oh God. Father, we thank you, O oh God, Father, for New Gen City Church and the people of this church. I pray your blessing over their life. I pray that they will be not be frustrated. Things are not looking good, O oh God, Father. When we are opening our eyes, all we are seeing is trouble, O oh God, Father. But that's why you said that we shall live by faith, not by sight, O oh God. My Father, faith will increase in our life that may we live the life that you have called us to live. I pray for marriages, O oh God. Would you guide our marriages, O oh God, Father, that say and wants to so much destroy. Thank you, Father. Your word says that who, ha- who God has joined together, let no one, let no man uh, 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 separate them. Thank you, Jesus, for your protection, O oh God. And finally, O oh God, I want to pray for those who are sick in the body. Father, I pray healing over them. Uh, Father, for us and the chambers and, and, and for even Anthony, oh God, my brother over here. Father, we thank you, oh God, Father, that he's empowering for you, but he does need healing, oh God. And anyone else in this room needs healing. I pray that you will, Father, heal them and they will trust in you that you are the healer, oh God. They will come to you, oh God, Father. And if the grace is sufficient for them like it was for Paul, let it be, oh God, Father. Thank you, Jesus. I pray blessing over your church. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, Amen. Amen. You've been listening to the New Gen Sermon Podcast. 